Well, I want to welcome you here, especially those of you that are visiting with us for the, for the first time, and welcome to all of you that are watching online. Uh, we're, we're glad that, um, that you're with us. Uh, before I get into the, our, our message uh, for tonight, I want to let you know that this Friday at the uh, Gallo Center, there's a big-time group there called uh, uh, Sela, and uh, they called a while back and asked if our own choir and orchestra, and they, they, they normally um, play on, on, at the 9 o'clock hour on Sundays here, but they said, hey, would, uh, we've heard a lot about your choir, we've heard a lot about your orchestra, and we'd like for them to come and open up, the, be the opening act. And so this Friday, our choir and orchestra will be down at the Gallo Center doing that. And, and then they said, hey, listen, when, when they're done, we'd like for your choir and everybody just to stay and back up, back us up. And so this weekend, uh, or this Friday night down at the Gallo Center, our church, the ministry of our or worship ministry, the choir and orchestra will be down at the Gallo Center. There are a few tickets still left. I don't know how much they are or whatever, but um, I'll bet it's going to be fantastic. Now, now here's the deal. I shouldn't say this. You can see them here every week for free. Okay, I just want you to know. But you, you can go down to the Gallo Center, and, and Selah's great and all that. But uh, anyway, what an honor that they would hear about us and ask us to, to, to do that. So maybe you'll go. Maybe you've already got tickets or whatever, but uh, be praying uh, for them. Um, well, we're in a, a series here where we're studying the book of Ephesians together, or uh, what is really a, a letter that the great apostle Paul wrote to some Christians in a town called Ephesus. He wrote the letter to these Christians um, about 30 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus. And much like you might receive a, a letter today from a friend or whatever, the Apostle Paul penned this letter while he was in a prison cell and uh, would have, you know, folded it all up and mailed it off, and the leader of that church would have gotten it. And obviously the building wasn't like this. The church was, was different back then. But uh, he would have read that letter, and he would have read it to the, the Christians that would, would have been in that church in Ephesus. And that's what we're doing. Uh, we're just kind of walking through very slowly this great letter that, uh, that Paul wrote. And uh, before I get into the, the message, I, I want to rewind the tape a little bit. I want to do a quick review so that all of us can be on the same page. Uh, I want to honor those of you that are, are, are visiting with us. Um, John makes this statement in John chapter 1. He said, from his abundance, from God's abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. And I, um, I read that verse a number of times this week and began to uh, think about the implications of that passage, that piece of truth in my life, that from God's abundance, it's all God's, it's all His, but man, has He just blessed my, my life with one great thing after another. This is one of the, the great truths of the Bible. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've been blessed in more ways than you, you could ever know or understand, and me also. I don't think there's any way this side of glory where, 
we can really understand just how blessed we are as believers. And in the first three chapters of this letter uh, that Paul wrote, he, um, he lays out a number of these great blessings that we as followers of Jesus have received. It's not a comprehensive list, but Paul tells us that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're, you're chosen. God just chose you to be a part of his family. You're redeemed. God re redeemed your life from the pit of hell. God forgave you of all your sins. God made you alive in Jesus. God revealed the mysteries of his will to you. God gave you his Holy Spirit to indwell you forever. He never leaves you, he never forsakes you. God himself lives inside of you if you know Christ as your savior. God made his power available to you to help you navigate this thing that we, we call life. God gave you direct access to him. God gave you an inheritance. You're an heir of, of, of God. God is preparing a, a home in heaven for you when you die. We have this incredible hope as believers. God has made you a, a member of his church. You're, you have brothers and sisters in the Lord. You're a part of God's family. And as I said, this isn't a comprehensive list of all the blessings that God has given you, but it's a pretty good one. These first three chapters, or the first three chapters of Ephesians really are, are really powerful. And as you sit around and you, you think about them, you go, man, J John was right. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. And this week in my office, um, I, I just began to write on a yellow pad of paper all the great blessings. N not just these that we see in this letter that Paul wrote to the Christians at Ephesus. But I began to just write all these incredible things that God has done for me simply, simply because I received his son into my life. You see, the bizarre thing about, um, about it all is, is that None of us did anything to deserve all these blessings. None of us. God, just out of his love and out of his mercy and out of his grace, just, just gave them to you. You didn't deserve them. You, you couldn't stand before God and say, hey, God, hey, look at me. I'm a great guy. I'm a great gal, you know. You owe me, you know, bless my life. <laughs> no. At the moment you humbled yourself and invited Jesus Christ to be a part of your life, it was like the floodgates opened and all of these blessings just flew to you, just into your life, unbelievable. Some of us, it, it took us a while to understand what all these great blessings are. Some of you are brand new in the Lord, and you don't even know any of this. You're, you're just learning it. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ. I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything. But the longer I walked with God, the, the more I studied his word, it just became more and more clear just how awesome God was and how he had blessed my life. It was just crazy. 
Now last week, we looked at what our response should be to all of these great things that God has done for us. Ephesians chapter four, verse one says, therefore, because God has done all these great things for you, Paul says, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. And it doesn't seem like you'd have to have somebody beg you to live a life worthy of your calling when you really understand just how great God is, right? And yet here we have this incredible man of God begging us, begging the Christians at Ephesus, begging us today, 2,000 years later, that if you know Christ as your Savior, man, live a a God-honoring life. Now Paul gives us a a little taste as to what a God-honoring life looks like. He says this in verse two. He says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. And I love that last piece. Make allowances, will you, for for my faults? I have many. (laughs) Those of you that I'm close to know them. And I'm thankful that you because of God's mercy and grace in your life have extended mercy and grace to me. Paul says that a God-honoring life is a humble life, it's a gentle life, it's a patient life, it's a life that makes allowances for each other's faults. Paul went on to say that we as, as believers should work hard to keep the unity of the Spirit He says this in verse three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. And last week we ended in in a way that I thought was really cool. You know, when you stand up here, if you're leading worship, whatever, you get to hear all the singing, you know? And that's why some of you are in the back, right? You don't, you don't want to hear anything. <laughs> but I tell you, when you're up here, wow, you get to hear all the singing. And when you're up here, man, I got to hear just something really cool as all of our voices joined together to, to say this. And, and I'd like to do it again, okay? This is how we ended last week. Let, let, let's say this out loud. Do we have that slide? There, there, there is one body, and do, do, do we have that? Yeah, there, there you go, here we go. Let, let's say this out loud t- together, okay? There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Well, that's, that's the foundation for our, our unity. We may disagree on, on some other issues, but, but these are the weighty things that, that make us one. There's one body, that, that's the church. Of, of Jesus Christ, there's one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that indwells each of us if we've given our lives over to the Lord. There, there's one hope, and that hope is that someday we're gonna spend our eternity with the Lord forever and ever and ever in a place called heaven, right? There's one Lord, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one faith, that's the, the body of doctrine that's revealed in the, in the, in the Bible. There's one baptism, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's one God, the the God that's revealed in the the Bible. And if you and I don't agree on these things, and you know what, we don't agree. 
These are the fundamental things that we all must agree on, and that's what brings unity to the church. Now, with all that said, let's look at our text for today. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 7. All the stuff about unity, one God, one hope, one faith. However, in the midst of all this oneness, in the midst of all this unity, God has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who has descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Now here's the deal. I'm going to unpack this. I'm going to, God doesn't come back, I'm going to spend some time in this little section uh, next week also. But it's a pretty straightforward uh, section of Scripture. But I do want to make a few comments, and the first one is this, okay? The first comment I want to make is, number one, God has given you at least one spiritual gift. If you've invited Jesus Christ into your life, he's given you at least one gift. For many of you, he's given you multiple gifts. But the Bible makes it crystal clear. At the moment of salvation, one of the, one of the things that God has done is he's given you at least one spiritual gift. And we don't all have the same gift. There's all this oneness he just talked about, right? But then he says, however, there we are. All these things make us one, but we all have different gifts. If you know Christ, he's given you at least one. We're one in Christ. We have a lot of things in common, but God has given each of us a, a different spiritual gift. In other words, we don't all have the same gifts. Now, now some of you don't believe this, Right? I mean, you look at your life and you think to yourself, Pastor Rick, I don't have anything to offer God. I, I, I don't have anything to offer the people of God or the church. There's, there's nothing special about me. And the reason why I know some of you, you know, think that or believe that is because I talk to you all the time. We'll meet and, you know, before church or after church or I'll see you in the mall or I'll see you out at, you know, Rayleigh's or wherever it is, at, you know, and, and, and I often hear that comment. 
You know, I see what you do, and I see what, you know, the worship guys do, and I see what the drummers do, and I, I know what the people in the children's ministry do, and I see people who, who help pass out communion, I, I, but I just don't have any gift. I don't have anything to offer God. I have nothing to offer, you know, his church. And they say it in lots of different ways. But I want you to know it's a lie. You're, you're believing a lie. The Bible clearly teaches that God has given you a unique spiritual gift and he expects you to use it. It's one of the ways that you live out your faith in a way that honors him. Thinking about all the things that he's done for you and one of the blessings is he's given you a gift, maybe more than one. And how you honor him, how you live this God-honoring life, one of the ways is, is you actually use the gift he gave you. Out of his great generosity, and I'm going to talk more about this in a minute or two, but Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, I wish that all men were as I. I wish, all, I wish everybody was like me, but each man, each person has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that gift. Yes, Paul had some gifts. The, gift, uh, uh, the gifts that Paul had, at least one of those gifts, isn't even, in, isn't even functioning today, in my opinion. But, God, but Paul makes it crystal clear, look, you've got whatever gift you've got, and you got whatever one you've got, and you got one, and you got one, and uh, if you know Christ, you got one, at least one. Every single person that Names the name of Christ has been given a special spiritual gift from God. Everybody. Now, I realize that some of you have no clue as to what your gift might be. I understand that. But you have one. And not knowing what that gift is is no excuse for not using the gift. And I'm going to talk more about that in, in a moment. Now, what exactly are the gifts well, Romans chapter 12 gives us a, a few thoughts. I don't want to run through them all, but I at least wanted to give you a little, little taste. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well, okay? So God has given you, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, Teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's a, a giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if God has given you the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, that's not a comprehensive list of all the gifts. And by the way, uh, you may not have the, the I don't know, the, the, the gift of serving others, let's say, but there are times when you'll be put in a position where you, you're needed to serve and you need to serve anyway, even though it's not your gift. You can't say, ah, it's not my gift. I know the children need help tonight. Thanks for asking, but that's not my gift. Now, we don't do that very often in here, but there's a couple times a year we may say, hey, listen, we're, a lot of people got sick. We're, 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 in, we're in need, and, and we need you in here. And you know what? The people of this church get it. But God has given you something, and here's a, 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 a taste of it. 
When you, when you come to what we call our shape class, and I'll talk more about this as this message goes on, it meets the first Saturday of each month, or most first Saturdays of each month. It meets in the, in the uh, fireside room. It's led by Pastor Alan Boone and a really great team of people. One of the things that happens in that class is you get to discover what your gift is, what your spiritual gift is. And uh, it's really a, a fun class, fascinating class. When it's all said and done, you'll know a whole lot more about yourself and how God wants to use you and where you might fit in God's work here at Big Valley Grace. But one of the things you find out is what your spiritual gift is. Because we understand that some of you don't know. And it's not okay for me to be the leader of a church that doesn't make it at least possible for you to figure that out. And once again, I'm going to talk more about that in, in, in just a moment. So the first thing I want you to understand is that the Bible clearly teaches, clearly says that God has gifted you. He has a place of service for you within his church. Okay? Every one of you. Every single one of you. N number two. God gave you leaders to help you develop your spiritual gifts. He gave you leaders. He, he just didn't, you know, all right, you know the Lord, you got to give, gut it out, go for it. God, God, you know, just doesn't have a baby pop out of the womb and you throw it in a room with diapers and Gerbers and say, you're on your own. No, his parents kind of help you, mature you, grow you, help you learn some things about, about life. Verse 11 of our text says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And these are different gifts. There are gifts that God has given to the church. Now these are special gifts that Christ himself has given to the church. The, the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastor teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people, God's church, to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Beloved, this, this is so important that you know and understand and actually use your gift or gifts that God made sure that there would be people who could help you discover what your gift is, that could help you develop it and actually use it. You know, we serve a God of order. And so we put a lot of order into our gatherings here. I've been to some churches where, you know, it's just, it's weird. They, they haven't thought anything through. And I think to myself, man, there are people who got up, went to church, and they didn't even, it wasn't even thought through. I, I think... If I invite you to my home, especially if it's like the first time you ever come to my home, I kind of thought it through with my wife. Okay, when the people are coming over at this time, and you know, we'll have a few, uh, you know, I'll cut up some cheese, and we'll have some crackers, and then we'll hang out here, and then we'll go in here, and we'll eat, then afterwards we'll play a game or something. You know, we, we think it through. And I got two people coming to my house. Well, when the church gathers, shouldn't we have it thought through? I mean, he is a God of order. He's given us an incredible thing called a, a brain. And, and, you know, the Bible says man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. We always leave room for the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to move in our gatherings. 
And one of the things that you can see when you sit out there is, oh man, they got it all together. Everything's perfect. Everything's done well. Well, you know what, I hope so. I hope that we're, we're, we're giving it our best you know, shot. I think God's worth it. I think he's worth us giving it our best shot here. I want to make sure that when you comb your hair and brush your teeth and you get your family together and put them all in the car and you make your way down here, that it's not a waste of your time that we thought this thing through. That as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ and, and, and all of that, man, we, we, we've put some energy into it. We, we ought to. I think he's worth it. And I think you're worth it as my brothers and sisters in the Lord. But let me just tell you something. <laughs> I could be up here for the next hour just telling you about all the, the places that are all goofed up around our campus right now. It looks good to you. It's like when people come over to your home. There's just you and your wife, or you and your husband, or just you as a, as a single person. And people come over and they look at your home and they go, wow, this looks great. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, don't open up that drawer. <laughs> that, 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 that one's off limits, man. That one's, I just got junk crammed in that one, man. I, and oh man, I got that door shut for a reason. <laughs> you know, and I'm, Thankfully, I got two bathrooms so I can keep mine looking one way and the one for you, oh, man. And people just think, man, this is a fantastic house. That's unbelievable, man. Right? Hey. Your gift is, 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 is needed. I don't care what you think you see here. We, we, we have our holes and our fumbles, and I guarantee you right now there's all kinds of fumbles going on in our children's ministry. Guarantee it. I'll hear about it on Monday. God so wants you to use your gift. They left leaders that would, that would help you figure out what it is in some cases help you develop it, find a place where you could actually use the, 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 the gift that God has given you. One of my jobs here at Big Valley Grace is to help every person in our church know what their gift is or know what their gifts are and to help equip them to actually use their gift or gifts to God's glory because when you know what your gift is and you're actually using your gift, man, it's a win. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. As a senior pastor of this church, I make sure that there's a ministry design led by a pastor, a whole team of people, and their whole gig, their whole deal. Alan Boone wakes up in the morning, and when he comes to work, all he thinks about is the a whole the serving his teams. How do I get people to figure out, know, and discover what their gifts are? How do I help them develop? How do I get them in the right places where they can use those, those gifts? We dedicate a whole Saturday to, to saying, hey, every week, hey, come to the shape class. It would be really crummy if I didn't provide that. I wouldn't be doing one of my one of my jobs according to the scriptures I remember when I was young and my dad took me fishing for the first time I didn't have a clue how to fish and I when my father passed away I thought about that moment because I saw some old pictures and I remember him taking me fishing I didn't know how to tie a hook on the line I didn't know how to put a worm on the hook so that you know wouldn't fly off when you cast it I didn't know how to cast 
Didn't know how to take the hook out of the fish's mouth, you know, once, once you caught it. But my dad did, and so he taught me. And, and now I can go fishing on my own, right? Well, the same thing is kind of true when it comes to your spiritual gifts. You may not know anything about what your spiritual gifts are. You, you may not. But we'll help you. We'll walk with you. We'll help you tie, figure out how to tie the hook on. We'll figure out how, we'll teach you how to do all the stuff you need to do. And trust me, uh, um, there are people in this church who heard me preach my first message as a youth pastor here 30-something years ago. I've been on staff here almost 30 years, 29 years as a, as a vocation, but I was a layperson for a long time. And I think one of my gifts is the gift of teaching. But I remember the first lesson I taught, I still remember it. It was to a group of about 10 high school kids. And, you know, who knows what they're doing now? I mean, that was the, I remember the message. Oh, brutal. It was brutal. I'd have, if I was one of those kids, I'd have left and said, man, I'll just, I'm going to first B. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going somewhere else. This just can't be, you know, all that God has for me, is whatever this message was. But I just kept getting better. I kept doing it, kept developing it. See, all these people up here that have gifts or whatever, whatever, whatever you just gotta keep working at it. Paul says that Jesus Christ gave the church uh, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers and all of these people are, 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 are people that equip us to use our gifts. Now let me just quickly share with you the, these, these positions here. First Paul mentions the apostles. Uh, these were all the, the guys that started the church, Matthew, Mark, John, Bartholomew, you know, Paul, Peter, these guys. And basically they had one major responsibility and they were the ones that God used to lay the foundation for the church. They were the ones that received God's word in a supernatural way. They were the ones who wrote God's word in a supernatural way. They declared God's word in a supernatural way because back then there wasn't a Bible. There was no such thing. We didn't have it. And so these apostles were really used in a, in a special way, and they're still equipping us today, right? We're studying the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. So God is still using the apostles of old to impact our life now, you see. Now let me say this, because the foundation of the church has obviously been laid, I don't believe that there are any more apostles today. Now I know some of you might disagree with me. And I, I'm okay with that. But once the, the church was established, the need for official, you know, the official office of the apostle was, was basically over. Then Paul mentions the, the prophets. Now obviously the prophets were different than the apostles, but like the apostles, the prophets were used by God in some really important ways during the, the birth of the church or the early days of the church. As I said, you have to remember that there, there weren't you know, Bibles back then, so God supernaturally raised up prophets who, who weren't apostles, but they were special and their role was to speak God's truth in, 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 in powerful ways. 
Now, once again, in my opinion, once the church was established or birth, the, the, the official role of the prophet as seen in the Bible isn't, isn't necessary anymore because the church has been established. I think that there are prophets with a small p, but we now have God's word done, finished, got it, right here. Some of you have it in your hands. Some of you have five copies of it at home. We, we now have the word of God that God used um, uh, you know, the, the apostles to write and he supernaturally had to speak through these prophets because there was no Bible back then. See? Then Paul mentions the evangelist. Now most of you know what the role of the evangelist is because of one person and who's that? Billy Graham, right? We all know what an evangelist is because of a guy like Billy Graham. But over the centuries, God had ra has raised up many, many evangelists. These are people that God has supernaturally gifted to help people see their need for Christ. You ever, we've, we've had evangelists on our platform before and you know, they can take the simplest thing. They can take John 3.16. I've heard 5,000 messages from John 3.16 and they just get up and you know, for God so loved the world you know, that he gave his only begotten son. Anybody wanna know him? <laughs> And people just crowd the front. It's like, what did he do? What did he say? I don't know. I just know people want the Lord. They're just gifted in a very supernatural way to help people see their need for Jesus. And then Paul mentions the pastor teachers. These are people that God has supernaturally empowered to basically shepherd God's people. That's what a pastor is, somebody who shepherds people, guides people, leads people, cares for people, teaches people, equips people, prays for people, shares wisdom with, with people or, or, or whatever. Now let me illustrate this for you. For you. First, you've, you've got the rock, okay? And the rock is Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, we read these words. Then Jesus asked them, who do you say that I am? He was talking to, to his disciples. And Simon Peter answered, well, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. You're the, the, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any other human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, little rock. And upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I want you to know that the Catholics have totally misused this passage, totally. Jesus wasn't saying that Peter was the rock on which God was gonna build his church. It was simply a, a play on words. The, the rock that was gonna be the, the rock that God would build his church on was that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of the living God. It was Jesus. That's the, the, the rock. The New Testament makes it crystal clear that Jesus was the rock on which the church would be built or he was gonna be the head of the church. Acts chapter four says, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, three, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, and that is who? Jesus Christ. 
Now there's no doubt that God used Peter in some great ways. He was one of the original uh, apostles, but he's not the head of the church. He's not the, the rock of the church. That's Jesus Christ. He's the, the rock. So first you have the rock, then you have the foundation. The foundation are the apostles and prophets. Let's see, let's just see you know, if the scriptures make sense here. Ephesians chapter two, and we looked at this a little while ago, says together we, that's us, the church, we're his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. I often say that the Bible wasn't written to trick anybody. It, you know, it's, it's, it's not like we're building the space shuttle, which they say is the most complex thing ever built. That scripture right there makes things pretty, pretty clear. You, you, you see clearly here in Ephesians 2 the role of the apostles and the prophets as it relates to the church, right? So first you have the rock, that's Jesus, and then you've got the foundation that the apostles and the prophets laid. Remember, they were the ones that God, in a, a really supernatural way, gave them the scriptures. They, they preached the, the, the very words of God, though there was no Bible. Then, then you have the, the church, this is the pastors, the evangelists, the, the, the teachers. Ephesians 2, and let me just continue reading that, says, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. himself. We, the church, are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So you can, you can easily see that the scriptures teach that Jesus is the rock, he's the head, that's the, that's the most important thing. Then you have the foundation, and man, God used the apostles and the prophets in a very special way, and then built on top of the foundation is us, the, 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 the church. So, so here's what I want you to do, just, just look at that for a second. Jesus did his part. The apostles and the prophets, they, they did their part. They lost their lives, a lot of them. Most of them doing their part. And now we have the church, us. And you have a role to play. God has gifted you now to do something. Jesus did his thing. The apostles and the prophets, they, they did their thing, and now it's your turn. The baton's been handed off to you, and God left, you know, these people, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to be a blessing to the church so that you would now use your gifts and your talents and your abilities, all those things, to build up the church. Now this brings me to, to the last point, number three. God has a purpose for the spiritual gift that he's given you. There's a purpose for it. 
Verse 16 of our text says, he makes the whole body, that's us, we're the church, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work, whatever that is. Now, when you're doing your own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, that's us, is growing and is full of love. You see, a human body has to, has to work in concert with one another. It doesn't matter how great my hand is if someone you know, chops off my forearm. I, I have to have a forearm. Without the forearm, then this doesn't work. As great as my hands are, fingers, whatever. The, the, this thing has to work together. And if one part says, you know what? I don't want to do anything. I just like coming and sitting and I like the music and you know, I'll even throw a shuckle or two into that green bag every now and then. But you know what, I'm, I'm just not gonna do anything. That, that, that'd be like my thumb just going, I'm done. Well, you know, hello, wake up. Now we'll get it done without the thumb. God, God is so worthy of a Herculean effort that our people will come together and those that are, are pointer fingers will say, you know what? Though the thumb doesn't want to do anything, we'll work extra hard because God's worthy of that effort. But it sure would be nice if the thumb would just do what a thumb's supposed to do. Then a finger can do what it's supposed to do. Then everybody just kind of does what it's supposed to do and then man, what, a, what an unbelievable thing happens, you see. Christian, when you, as a part of God's church, use your gift or gifts, it, it helps the people of the church grow in their faith. Aren't you really thankful for those that use their musical gifts or those that use their, 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 their mentoring gifts or whatever? You got to come in here and sing songs. And some of you, man, I know you love those note sheets. You love them. Man, they're unbelievable for you. Take them home and do them. Man, aren't you thankful that somebody showed up down here on a Friday and put them all together and put it all, you know, those, they don't just magically, just, and they're all stacked up for Saturday night, man, here they all, no, somebody puts those all together and they just use whatever little gifts they've got and talents they've got, maybe, you know, they're helping you grow. Use your gifts, it helps the people of the church stay spiritually healthy, it helps the people of the church stay full of, of love. Unbelievable what happens when we all get involved and we all use the gifts that we have. Now, you know, maybe there's a church out there where every single person is using their gifts. I don't, I don't know where it is. But I can tell you, I know what Alan Boone's goal is. And there are people who think he's crazy. I, I never tell him he's crazy. I go, man, that, that's the goal. That, that's the kind of goal we got to have. Because that's the kind of goal that, that only God can, can accomplish. And I'll tell you what his goal is, is that 100% of the people who call this their home would be engaged in serving. They would be using their gifts. Every, not 99.99999, that's great. That'd be better than most. But something unbelievable happens when the whole body works together. 
And when one part goes out, it's hard. I, you know, I, there have been many times, I remember once, it was a long time ago, man, I was walking and I kicked my, my little toe. I, you, no one here even thinks about their little toe. It's in a shoe and a sock and it's just this little thing. And no one cares about a little toe until you jam it on the coffee table. And, and now it's more important than your brain and your heart and your kidneys. The only thing you can think about is this little, tiny, little thing that you don't ever see, you don't care about it. Now it's throbbing and it's, it's just hurting and they, you can't put a cast on it even though you broke that little bone. The doctor just says, you know, take some Tylenol, man, because there's nothing you can do. And that little thing, and then you can't even walk right anymore. What's wrong with you, man? Did you, did you get shot with a 45? No, my little toe, I stubbed it. And it's like you're, you're, your whole life has gone down the tubes because one tiny little body part can't work right. Isn't that weird? Now, you can still get around the house, and you can still go to work, and you can still mow the lawn, you can still do the dishes. You can still do everything, though that one little part ain't working very well. And that's what happens in the church. We still pull it all off. But when you choose not to use your gifts, it's a bummer. It's a bummer in more ways than, than, than you'll ever know. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, right? We've learned that so far. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the, the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We can be a blessing to each other. We need each other. We, we need each other to, to, to grow in our faith. We need each other to stay connected to Jesus. We need each other to stay filled with God's love. Beloved, God gave you your, your spiritual gift to be a blessing to others, to serve others, to, to, to benefit others. He didn't give you your spiritual gift so that you could somehow build yourself up or, or be a blessing to yourself. It's not why he gave it to you. When you use your spiritual gift, everybody wins. The kingdom wins, Big Valley Grace wins, I win. And you know what, you win. And even the person that's using their gifts, it's a win for them too. But when you choose not to use your spiritual gift, whether it's because you simply refuse not to use it or because you don't know what it is, I want you to know everybody loses, everybody. Peter said this in chapter four, 1 Peter chapter four, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Here's the deal. Unless you learn how to serve, give your, give your life away kind of thing, you'll, you'll never be like, like Jesus, never. The idea that you can call yourself a follower of Jesus and not be involved in serving others, using the gifts that God has given you, it's just kind of goofy. Now I know that this goes against everything in our culture, doesn't it? 
I mean, our culture screams, it's all about me, 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 me. Who's going to serve me? Who's going to meet my needs? Who's going to help me? And we all know people like that, don't we? Maybe that's you right now. I've been there. There have been times in my life where I've been there. I was mad or I was upset or something, and I didn't care about anybody, you know. What about me? Hey, what about me? Hey, Gordon, what about me? Hey, come on. I give and I give and I give and I give. I said, I'm, I'm done with it. I want it to be about me. And then my wife laughs, and I, uh, you know, it humbles me in a nanosecond, you know, unbelievable. Aren't you glad that Christ didn't have that attitude? It's about me. It's about me. No, no, no. The attitude that he had was, you know what? You, you got a problem. And I so love you and I so care about you that I'll come. And I'll put aside my own need. I'll put, my, I'll put aside, uh, I'm going to put it all over here because I'm going I'm to be a blessing to you. I'm going to serve you. Look, here's the deal. Really, the attitude we need to have is, God, thank you for, for saving me. Thank you for redeeming my life from the pit of hell. Thank you, thank you for putting your Holy Spirit inside of me. Thank you for gifting me. Thank you for blessing my life. And, and now I want to use my one life to, to serve others. It might be my family. Could be my parents, my spouse, my church, family. I, I don't know who it is. There's lots of connection points where we're called to, to, to serve. The, one of the great signs of spiritual maturity is somebody who is using their gifts and their talents, their abilities, their spiritual gift to be a blessing to others. And you show me somebody who's not engaged in the church and they're not engaged in using their gifts and I'll show you somebody that's probably just complaining a lot about me or <laughs> complaining about what we're doing. And that, that's not a gift. Now some of you think it's a gift. I, yeah, I know, it's weird. Uh, my gift is, I got the gift of complaining. And I'm just pretty good at it, by the way. I got years of experience. And I can spot, you know, Things that are messed up 100 miles away. So God gave you a spiritual gift and God gave you, you know, leaders to help equip you to use your gifts because God has a, a purpose for the gifts he gave you. And I, I just end with a couple questions here, okay? Number one, do you know what your spiritual gift is? D do you know? And I know some of you don't know. Um, when I first became a Christian a long, long time ago, uh, we didn't have uh, uh, the class that we have now, and so, uh, you know, I just would go places, and I'd, you know, walk into the, you know, babies, hey, I'm here, you know, <laughs> when it was over with, it was like, okay, that, check that one off, that's not my gift, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I'm not kidding. And I go into, you know, second graders and, and I just made my way around. 
I knew what the Bible taught. It was crystal clear God wanted me to use my gift. I just didn't know what it was. And so I just went around and tried stuff. And before you know it, something stuck. <laughs> and that's happened with many of you. But, but if you're, you're here and, and you don't know what that is, we've got something here for you. And the second thing I want to ask you is, are you using the gift? You may know what the gift is. But, but that's not enough to know what it is. You've got to use it. And it could be that you've got a gift and you're going, man, how does that fit here? How, how will that fit? Well, let me just end by, by just taking a second and once again reminding you, here's, here's the action step for, for some of you. Not all of you. But for some of you, it, it would be, you know, you, you, got, you got a month almost to, to say, I'm going to set aside the first Saturday of next month or the first Saturday of the following month. I, I, I suggest you do it in a hurry. You call. You can, you, you can go there uh, on our website. You could call the church and sign up right now. And you got to sign up in advance because we actually send you something. Pastor Alan Boone sends you something. There is some work you have to do up front so that when you arrive, you're, you're ready to rock and roll kind of a thing. So you just can't just show up. There's child care. You need to bring your kids down here. There's coffee to drink. I mean, we, we just want you to come and fellowship. You'll meet some people. You might just enjoy that piece of just meeting some people. And by the time it's all over with, you'll know what your spiritual gift is. You'll know way more than that, but you'll certainly know what your spiritual gift is. And then his people will you know, begin a process of trying to help you. Find the place where you can use your gift and be a blessing to others around you and all that kind of stuff. It's really kind of fascinating. Now, now let me just tell you, I'll end with this, and then I'm going to pray. Um, I was looking at all these families that are uh, were up here, you know, and tomorrow at 9, there'll be a whole other group of families, and at 11 o'clock, there'll be a whole group of families. And this just church has just a lot of young families in it. It's <laughs> just unbelievable how many babies, how many young kids. Um, and, and I was really thankful when you watched the pastors come up here. And I was standing right back there. I didn't come up. Because I, I was just, I was really thankful. As I saw the pastors all around and elders were kind of around and some of the parenting team was around and and, uh, and, and, and then they prayed. Because these people that were standing around are there to say, look, let us help you. None of us are perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pastor here at the church, a teacher of, of the church. We have many pastors, many teachers here at the church. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of what they call the lead pastor, the senior pastor, if you will. Um, but just because we have all these gifts or we have a gift, it doesn't mean we do it all right. We don't always do everything perfectly. There's a lot of things I'm embarrassed about in my life. Um, and I know most of the men and women that were standing up here and I was thinking, man, those are good men, those are good women. None of them are perfect. But then there comes a moment that's very powerful these imperfect people who don't always do the right thing, they don't always say the right thing. Um, did, you, did you notice? All of a sudden, through the crowd, through all of the people, 
this Bible came out. And we handed each of these families, not a, not a little dinky, you know, Psalms and Proverbs Bible, you know, that's cute for children, and you put it in a box and you never use the thing. We invested quite a bit of money in those family Bibles. And they're marked up, got verses. We already put stuff in them. And here were these imperfect people that are here to be a blessing, to encourage us and, and love us and train us and equip us. But out, whoo, we hand them the thing that is perfect. And we give every family the thing that is perfect. And this is the, this is the thing that God uses, that the preachers use, that the teachers use, that the evangelism, evangelists use. Without this, we're all dead in the water. It's this, and this was given to us because of the prophets and the apostles who God supernaturally gifted. Anyway, I was just standing back there, I just thought, man, I'm thankful that we have good men and women that are here to help you discover and use and use your gifts, and we don't always do it right. We'll fumble, I'll fumble the ball, I guarantee it. But here's the thing, that there's no fumble here. And you make sure you keep your nose in this. This is absolutely uh, perfect. Every, everybody stand up, okay? Everybody stand up, I'm gonna pray for us. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, tonight. I've really, really enjoyed being here. I've enjoyed the prayer earlier. I enjoy, God, fellowshipping with friends here. I enjoyed singing songs to you and about you that filled my mind with truth. I enjoyed, God, watching these young families up here with all these children and, and that we would challenge them to raise those kids to the glory of God, that we would challenge them to be examples, Lord. Thankful for the men and women of this church that are leaders, and we're not perfect, but help us, God. And Lord, thank you most of all for this thing called the Bible, because it is perfect. And may the people that call you Lord here at Big Valley Grace, may this be the book that they often open, read, study, meditate, memorize, all those things, God. I hope that this next uh, first Saturday, there'd be lots of people in there discovering their gift. That'd be great, Lord. I, I just know it'd be a great, great, great thing for them and for us. And I, I pray all these things in your name, Lord, and all the God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? Live for Jesus.